Hi, and welcome to the Think Fast podcast. My name is Simon Smith, and I'm your host. If you're new to this podcast, FAST with two T's stands for a focused advancement with speed, tenacity, and transparency. Those are our core values at Benchside, where we use machine learning to help scientists run more successful experiments to bring novel medicine to patients faster. In today's episode, I speak with four colleagues at Benchsci about unique life experiences they've had that were enabled by Benchsci becoming a remote-first company. Senior Data Partnership Manager Pratik Matkar traveled to India to organize and then have his wedding surrounded by family. Senior Scientific Liaison Steph Lucarelli moved across Canada, switching locations and time zones without missing a beat. Principal UX designer Matan Burson became somewhat nomadic, working while traveling throughout the country and beyond. And senior data engineer Jasmine Alkin moved to a cottage in the wilderness, writing code while deep in nature. In our talk, they cover challenges and benefits of their remote experiences and share advice for those considering similar lifestyles. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Simon. Thanks for having us. Okay, as I was just saying before, before we started, there's a good chance this could be chaos because I've never interviewed four people simultaneously, but we're going to do our best and we can always edit. Now, with that said, I want to start with introductions. And the first person uh, I want to ask is Pratik. So Pratik, can you introduce yourself, your role at Benchsci, and talk about the trip that you took that was enabled by working at a remote first company. Here's Simon. So at Bensai, I am the senior data partnership manager on science team. What that means is I'm always on the lookout for meaningful scientific data that will enable scientists to find exactly what they're looking for on Bensai. This also includes managing our existing partnerships with hundreds of region vendors, publishers, and database come talking about my trip. So yeah, towards the end of 2020, COVID-19 was actually well under control in India. And my then fiance and now wife, uh, we both decided to take a trip to India and get married in front of our family. Trust me, the big fat Indian wedding uh, isn't a myth. And a lot of preparations and decisions were dependent on me. So the vacation time that we have here, uh, three weeks, was certainly not going to be enough. And after a lot of thinking, and of course, with the support of my manager, Cass, I decided to work from India for almost 10 days. This allowed me to be physically present in India for about five weeks. Uh, I was working till uh, from 8 p.m. till 4 a.m. And it gave me the entire day to take care of my wedding preparations. So it was all possible because of uh, remote first enable. We're going to come back and talk about some of the challenges of that. And time zone was going to be one that came up. So we'll get to that in a second. But before we do, though, Matan, I wanted to build off of that and ask about your experiences since the pandemic started. So Pratik took a, a very far but relatively short trip, and you've been on quite a nomadic adventure. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work and then about what you've been able to do over the past year and a half because of working remotely. Yeah, sure. So to start, I'm a principal UX designer here at Benchside, which means that uh, I work on the product and ensure that our product is really valuable and easy to use for our users. And for me, 
uh, working remotely and this nomadic kind of more a nomadic lifestyle that I've had started off pretty much right from the beginning when we turned to a remote uh, company. So I remember in March, 2020, the announcement came out. I think within a few hours, I bought a plane ticket to Vancouver within 48 hours. I was in Vancouver and I thought I'd work there for the two weeks while the pandemic blew over. Obviously it didn't pass. And in that amount of time, and while I was there, I was just starting to think, where could I explore more? So I ended up driving up to the Yukon with my friend, working during the weeks, driving on the weekends. And then after that, ended up uh, driving across Canada to Quebec in the height of the pandemic. So when there were all the lockdowns and curfews, I decided to stay there because I'll, I'll talk about this maybe a little bit later, but. I found it a bit stressful, like keep like moving around all the time. And since then I ended up just moving place to, uh, like a month at a time, working in one place, coming back to Montreal, going to another place, coming back. I want to later on get advice from each of you on what you've done and what you would recommend other people to do. So keep that uh, in the back of your mind because we will revisit it. But next I want to talk to Steph. So speaking of West Coast, you made a much more permanent long distance move that was enabled by being remote and not having to worry about whether you would be able to keep your job. So can you tell us about yourself and the move that you made? Sure. My name is Stephanie. I'm a senior scientific liaison here with BenchSize. So really what I do is give demonstrations of our technology to our end users, make sure they're using it to the best of their abilities, answer their questions about the platform and also take their feedback back internally to our teams to continue iterating and improving. So I've been with Benchside about a year and a half now, and I was born and raised in Toronto in the GTA. I never lived away from that area, but last December, my fiance actually got a job in BC. He works now with the federal government supporting housing projects for Indigenous communities across the province. So it was a really big career move for him to get this role. And Benchside being a remote first workplace now allowed me really to support him and move here for his job. So really, yeah, I moved to Vancouver, British Columbia this past summer with him. And actually, the move itself was an amazing experience as well. We drove across Canada getting here from Toronto. And that was really fun. We had a lot of really special stops along the way. We really made it like a vacation to see a lot of sites and slowly make our way here. But really... I'm settled here now permanently and working uh, remotely from Vancouver. When I hear these stories, it strikes me that a lot of the things that people have done, they probably would have loved to do long before, but just weren't able to. And just think about how many years people suffered in not doing things that they that would have brought them great joy just because they didn't have the opportunity. And finally, Jasmine, we're looking at you now. You are in a wood cabin. I think you have to me anyway, one of the fairly unique stories of the, the pandemic in terms of your move. I'd love you to tell us about yourself and the change that you made. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jasmine. I'm a data engineer at Benchside with the MLT. So I moved from downtown Toronto, like right down Toronto, to an old cottage in the corner of the lakes region, right on the lake. And uh, it was quite a nice coincidence because like my partner recently bought the cottage off his uncle a month before the pandemic started. So it was a little, heavy little coincidence that happened and we decided that Toronto wasn't for us and that we're not a big fan of city living in the first place. And we always had plans to move out. So 
it was a great opportunity to take that, especially when Benchside went remote first. And you both are are working from what looks like a bunkhouse, I believe, that's been converted to the home office. Yeah, yeah, it's a small little bunkie on the property. It used to be a sleeping area. Now, now it's an office. Amazing. So I'm sure there are many challenges that come with that, and that's what I I want to get into now because all of this to me sounds great. I actually don't know which one of these kind of choose your own adventures I'd want to do. I think all of them would be fun to do for some period of time, but I'm sure they're not easy. And if other people wanted to do them, they would probably run into some challenges. So I want to talk a bit about some of those challenges and how you overcame them. Pratik, I want to start with you. So you traveled uh, to India in and of itself. The travel during a time of pandemic must have been challenging, but then you get there and you're dealing with time zone differences. You're You've got all this planning to do. You probably have a lot of personal demands and you have to balance that with professional. What were some of the things that you had to face and how did you overcome those challenges to work successfully remotely? Sure, happy to share. I think I would highlight two big challenges that I faced during my remote work gig. The internet isn't very great back home and it took me by a bit surprised the speed that the company claimed it provided was nowhere close to what I was getting in my home. And for the first couple of days, I really struggled to attend any video meetings and had to change my service provider immediately. And I have to say this was very stressful and added unnecessary work to my plate. Uh, The other challenge, like you mentioned, was the time difference between India and Canada, which is almost like 10 hours. And that wasn't easy at all. First of all, like you said, the journey was extremely tiring and stressful due to all the COVID-19 regulations. And I don't think I'll recommend anyone travel for leisure during such times. Uh, I had my own reasons and I had to go, but yeah. However, once I reached India, I tried hard not to get adjusted to the time zone in India for the first few days. I started working the very next day and used to sleep around like 4 a.m. Getting up at around 10 a.m., I had almost the entire day at my disposal. It almost felt like I had conquered time and I was able to live a Canadian life at night and an Indian life during the day. And I have to be honest here, I couldn't have done this alone. I had multiple cups of coffee that pushed me towards striking this work-life balance. Just curious, then when you came back to Canada, how did you adapt? Did you manage that mythical ability to cross time zones without any negative effects or did it eventually catch up with you? I did catch up eventually. When I came back, we were quarantined for 14 days. It was outside. We weren't allowed to go out of our house like for 14 days. So I think it was relatively easy to just get over it and come back to the Canadian lifestyle. Matan, I want to pick up on that theme of internet, which I know is consistent. I remember speaking with you once while you were traveling up the West Coast and you were in some sort of remote cabin in some sort of remote village. And you were talking about how it was great, but the internet uh, is very unreliable. Some places it's phenomenal and some places it's terrible. What were some of the challenges you faced being nomadic? Yeah, so in those remote areas, the internet is a real big challenge. Uh, I think I, at first I came across it on my very first uh, time trying to work, you know, while traveling when I went out west. I went to a ranch out in the middle of BC and I think the only there was no cellular reception. And there was only satellite internet that was bouncing off at the nearest mountain. 
And I found that experience just extremely stressful. I think it reduced my lifespan by a little bit, probably. And I, I, I found that it was really important to understand how strong the internet is and what you're going to have as maybe contingency plans and um, backups if your internet doesn't work. Because in that scenario, I didn't really have anything beyond that satellite internet that I was holding on to with my dear life. Since then, I ended up spending more time ahead of going to places, trying to understand what the internet situation is like. So, you know, I'm just taking a look at the Airbnb listing, trying to have the person do a, a, a call with me over Zoom if possible. One of the interesting things actually that Airbnb just released a couple of days ago is being able to see the verified internet and have people verify the internet for a place, which is a real big game changer for that. So yeah. I'd say making sure you have the internet is, is a big challenge. Did you ever find it advantageous to not have access to the internet? Did you feel like isolated in a good way that you could give your attention more to things that you wanted to give your attention to? I found that when I was on holiday or vacation and I've had that, it was hugely advantageous not being messaged by people, not being able to message people and so on. And I found that to be a, a great experience, but I found when I'm feeling like I need to be, people should be able to message me and I'm kind of like accountable and it can be stressful if I don't have that access. Mm -hmm. Got it. Steph, you picked up and moved across the country for those who don't know Toronto to BC is, is probably is almost as far as you can go from one side to the other, though not quite. You could, I guess, go from Quebec or from the islands, but it's still pretty far. It's most of the country. What were some of the biggest challenges you face doing that? And then how are you adapting? Yeah, it was definitely a process to move our entire lives across the country. Started months and months before the actual move packing things, throwing things out, putting things in storage. But really one of the biggest challenges that I faced was the move itself. We used a moving company. We had just moved into a new place together before realizing we were going to move to BC. All new furniture, all new things in our home and made the decision that we wanted to ship it instead of buying everything new once again in, in BC. So the moving company took everything from our home about two weeks before we left Toronto. So there was two weeks in Toronto where Thankfully for Zoom virtual backgrounds, no one realized I was on the floor taking meetings on boxes or random items that were left in the home. So that was challenging, trying to set up and have days of meetings and, and meeting with our users and stuff. And then also once we got to British Columbia, there was a couple of weeks where the moving trucks were late. So again, here I had to do the same thing. We had to find furniture on Facebook Marketplace and set up the best we could with what we had before our actual furniture was delivered. So adapting that way and, and finding quiet space to work and comfortable space to work between the move between two cities was, was definitely a challenge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, have you found that small things you hadn't thought you would need to adapt to you're having to like the weather or local foods that you like eating, but aren't always as readily available or any small things like that, where you're like, ah, oh, if this was Toronto, I would absolutely be able to do X. Yeah, there's 
starting to be some restaurants that I really miss that were my go-tos in Toronto. And the weather is a big thing. I brushed it off. I knew Vancouver was rainy. The West Coast was rainy. We were blessed this summer. It was really great weather. We had a fantastic like summer. It was hot. It was sunny all the time. And I got really used to that, even though nobody told, everybody told me not to. But now we're in the rainy season. It's definitely taking its toll. It's dark in the mornings, even when the sun comes up. So that's been an adjustment too, for sure. Maybe it'll be at least a little bit less cold than it gets in Toronto. Uh, and we can tell you on those days just how cold it is here and make you feel a little bit better. Yeah, I'm, I'm hanging on to that hope. <laughs> uh, Jasmine, so you, I think, faced some of the same challenges Matan had when traveling to more remote places, but that's your entire life really continuously. And uh, I actually, before I get to challenges, can you just really describe, because I don't think people probably from listening will get a full sense of exactly where you are. But I'd love for you to describe a little bit about where you are and then some of the challenges you face being located there and how you've overcome them to work effectively. Yeah, so basically we're two and a half hours away from Toronto, 15 minutes from the smallest town and around 40 minutes from a bigger town, which is Halliburton. <clears throat> and basically to get to the cottage, you go into this like nice road, gravelly road <laughs> with, with quite a few holes, depending on the season onto a much smaller gravelly road. Then you park up a hill and go down some very questionably safe stone steps all the way down toward the lake. And uh, then you're in this cottage that was built around 50 years ago and you're surrounded by trees mostly. Trees, and then of course, a lot of other people have cottages in this area as well, but in the winter it's dead silent. So you're like, you're, it's winter, it's nice because you're there, you're alone, and all you see is snow everywhere. And it's quite beautiful. And so what have been the biggest issues? I mean, when I hear that, I think to myself, okay, groceries, how do you do that? And then internet, where is your internet coming from? And does that ever affect you? And I'm also curious to hear just how does the pace of life around you, which is a very natural setting, contrast with the sort of faster pace of the work that we do. I just would love to hear some of your thoughts on all that. Yeah, let's start with groceries. Groceries is actually not too bad. It's a hike and we drive an hour and a half to get to Aurelia to pick up our groceries. And we do it about every two weeks or in the winter, we kind of slow down to once a month because we don't like making that trip very often, especially when there's heavy snow. But honestly, it's not too bad. It is a lot less convenient in, than in Toronto, where you can just walk a few minutes to a big grocery store and get everything you need, or even just get it delivered. But as long as you somewhat plan ahead with what you buy, it's actually not too bad. Internet, internet was an interesting challenge. Getting reliable internet was difficult. And that was the biggest thing that kind of delayed us the most, is that we were waiting for the internet to be consistently reliable. And by no means are you on fast internet. You're on 10 megabits, megabits down and one megabit up, but it is sufficient. And you kind of learn that as long as you can watch videos and as long as you can stream most things, even if there's large files to download, you just get used to starting them at night and waiting until morning. So that's actually not too bad. And it has been fairly reliable, which is quite unusual for this area. But I put credit to bothering uh, Bell enough times that they just fix it permanently so we don't call it anymore. Great. And, and the pace, have you 
had to adjust between, like, how have you adapted to the pace of living that you have in the environment you're in and the pace of work, which can tend to be really fast? It's interesting because I feel like it's just different challenges. I don't find the pace has changed too much. It's just different problems now we're facing. So in Toronto, you, there's like a lot of lot more socializing, a lot seeing people. You're going to and fro places. You're hurrying on transit. It's not really much of a factor here. But now there's different problems where uh, winter's coming up and we still need to insulate the bug. We need to figure out to heat it properly and other things. We put railings so the uh, stairs don't become an ice slide again and uh, take out equipment and winterize things properly. So it's like different challenges. Like I don't feel any less rushed than I did before. I just feel I'm just doing different things now. Interesting. This is where we're going to open it up to everybody and uh, we will see what happens. But let's talk about some of the benefits of the things you've done, the, the biggest ones from being remote and maybe some of the experiences you just wouldn't have been able to have if you weren't working for a remote first company and things you're grateful for. And maybe I'll kick us off here. I'll just give you one. Now, I haven't done anything as radical uh, as any of you, although all of them sound appealing, got to be honest. But for me, probably the biggest one is just not having to commute, which is seems like a small thing, but I would probably spend two hours a day commuting. And then more than that, if there were issues with the subway, which were pretty common and not having that in my life alone, I feel like has knocked like 25% off my daily stress level. Just that alone is such a, a huge thing. So for me, that's just been amazing. But what about all of you? What are some of the, the biggest benefits of the changes that you've made? I'll add on to that, Simon. The the commuting was definitely a big one for me. I also commuted when I was in school. So for years was doing that trek in Toronto. And I know the subways break down. It's the most stressful part of your day. But on top of that, not having to worry about packing lunches every day and food and having access to that at home. I don't know why, but that's really one that sticks out in my mind for me. Yeah, and then maybe um, to the second part of your question about what we're, what we're grateful for also, for me personally, it's about being able to take this chance in my life. And it's something that maybe I wouldn't have ever thought of being able to do before bench site going remote first. So I eventually plan to come back to Toronto. That's where all my family and my friends live. But having this experience is something I'll, I'll look back on for the rest of my life and be very glad that I was able to do so. Great. Who else wants to weigh in? So for me, being able to see more of Canada was really interesting. It was in Vancouver and Toronto. Most of my time in, in Canada, opening up to more places was a big one. But the thing I'm most grateful for, and I think that the part of being able to work remote that I love the most is being able to live and work in areas where my family lives. My family is split between England and Vancouver. And so... I was able to work a lot in Vancouver, spend time with people that I just couldn't. And because you're working from those places, you're also able to integrate them into your lives, like perhaps have dinner, have breakfast with them uh, and go to work. I just came back from a month in the UK and being able to have breakfast with my grandparents who are almost 100 years old is well, just something that's priceless and knowing that they're getting older and like being able to just spend these times with them is, is amazing. 
So, mm-hmm. And not having to have that as a trade-off of, oh, I'm going to take my vacation, but my vacation time is so limited. So, you know, I'm going to go and spend this limited amount of time with them there, but having a lot more flexibility to be like, oh, I'm here. I'm here for really as long as my visa will allow me to be here and I can continue to work and also spend time with my family. I think that's very different than having that really time limited vacation period. Definitely. Yeah, I agree 100% with Matan. As I said earlier, when I was working from India, I felt like I had more time overall and I could do so many things in 24 hours, which really seemed impossible when I was in Canada. Matan said, even for me, the main benefit was I was able to spend quality time with my family. I usually get to see them only once a year and spending that additional time was really great. I also had a chance to ensure my wedding was a memorable one, which wouldn't have been possible if I didn't go earlier and work from India for some time. The other benefit that I can think of was being far away. I was also far away from words like jacket, cold, snow. (laughs) It was really hot in India and I was grateful for escaping the chilly days of Toronto. Yeah, my long-term plan, I've got young kids, so it's not really possible now. But my long-term plan is definitely to live the cold months of the year or many of the cold months of the year somewhere warm, wherever that might be, Florida, Costa Rica. I haven't really decided. And maybe it'll be different places each year, but I am 100% on board. Jasmine, anything that comes to mind for you? Key benefits? I think one of the benefits and the things I'm most grateful for here is really is a result of the environment change is honestly, it's quite... As cheesy as it sounds, magical watching how nature changes around you. You can watch the ostrich ferns come in, the fish when they're nesting in the shallow areas of the lake. You get to know some of the wild birds and and, and they all have quite interesting personalities as well as the squirrels and the chipmunks and uh, whatnot, as well as the rogue garden eaters that ate all my bok choy this summer. Uh, <laughs> So I think for me, that's like getting the chance to observe that, getting a chance to really see and all the changes that kind of happen. One day you're walking down and suddenly there's like a lawn of fungi everywhere. And it's just, oh, that's really neat. So it's not a common sight in Toronto, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I, that also sounds, yeah, pretty appealing to me. And I've also considered at what point can I become remote? I, we thought about moving or I thought about moving out of the city during the pandemic. It gets a lot harder when you have kids, to be honest, because where are they going to go to school if I'm living in the middle of a forest? But yeah, I love that idea of being so close to nature. So what about advice now, given the experiences that you've had? I think making sure that you have great internet connection is probably number one, as long as you're going to be working in our space. What other tips do you have for people who might want to do some of the things each of you have done? Yeah, so moving into the cottage. So I say if you're going to move remote, somewhere remote, plan it a little better than I did because our first winter here, uh, we had no running water and we lost electricity. So we had to do a lot of like last minute <laughs> changes and last minutes. And you have it's a bucket system. You walk to the spring, pull your buckets up, more <laughs> traditional way to do it. So to say, definitely planning it, something I 100% recommend. And I think the second thing I recommend, if this is something you want to do and you're privileged enough to work at a place that is remote first, it's 100% worth it. Even if it's not somewhere you want to permanently stay, even if you're only there for a year or two, it's 100% worth living out in the forest, in the country, 
And as long as you have the right attitude of, sure, no running water for the next three months, so that's okay. You will enjoy it. It's such a great contrast. You're like a pioneer who's also a software engineer. It's like the two ends of the spectrum, right? <laughs> yeah, it must have yeah. been quite a quite messes with your head when you're you know you you sit down at the computer and and you're writing code and then you're getting up and getting a bucket from the spring because you don't have running water. Uh, it brought a, a lot of joy making joke about making jokes about that. <laughs> it, yeah, it'll be a gift that keeps on giving for the rest of your life. Um, any other advice anybody wants to share? Yeah, if you're somebody who wants to try working remotely or have a more nomadic lifestyle, I'd recommend starting small. I think Brad in the previous episode of this podcast talked a little bit about that, of trying to go somewhere with stable internet, somewhere you feel comfortable and seeing how that works and trying to expand off from that. And another thing for me was trying to figure out what works for you. I, I thought I was either going to be this like fully nomadic person that just doesn't have a place and moves from one place to another, or that I'm stuck in one place. But I found that it was very stressful just trying to coordinate moving all the time and not knowing where I might be in a month or two months time. And I settled to this, finding this kind of hybrid that works for me where I make Montreal my home and I, every, the, a month or so, I go for a longer period of time somewhere new. So it allows me to be stable somewhere, not spend too much time working on trying to coordinate and plan for a trip. And then makes me feel a little bit more stable. Mm -hmm. Kind of along the same lines as Natan. Personally, advice for people moving across the country is pack a basic survival kit with you. We were really lucky that we packed two plates, two forks, a couple of coffee mugs and a French fest, things like that in the car with us because all of our stuff ended up being delayed and we were really happy to have just a few things to live with for the first few weeks. But more professionally for work, I think one of the biggest things for me, especially being in a different time zone than most of the employees at Benchside now is making sure I over communicate with my team and I'm thinking ahead. Uh, and I'm always preparing everybody in case I'm offline and they need something for me. I never want to have a gap between that. And in addition to that, because I am remote now, I try to make more of an effort to connect with my colleagues and talk about non-work related things and get to know them better because I'm not going to have that chance to run into them in the office, grab a coffee or, or chat that way. I really want to try to make more of a connection that way. So that's one thing I would recommend. I think that's so important. I think it's something we've realized as well on my team is that you can do a lot of the tactical stuff asynchronously. You can give people updates on what you're doing and you can work on documents asynchronously, but the human stuff, which is connecting to people as people, really needs to be done synchronously. And if you don't make time for it, it's not like in an office where you randomly bump into people and have conversations. You have to make it happen and almost schedule it to make sure it happens. So I completely agree there. Pratik, anything you want to close it out with? Uh, nothing significant to what to add to what Steph and Matan said. Uh, my experience was really short, so I don't have a lot to add. But if anyone really wants to move somewhere far away, uh, what I realized is the time zone does matter, uh, but it also doesn't matter too much. I think you just need to find your rhythm and establish a routine that strikes the work-life balance for you. 
Uh, I had lots of, you know, pros working from India, then the cons. And if I get a chance, I would definitely do it again. The other thing I noticed was when I was working from India, it was extremely quiet at night and seeing dark outside the whole time, it messes up with your brain. So for me, scheduled breaks, sitting always in an upright position, it helped me to stay awake. Uh, and as Steph said, uh, when I was also away in India, I made sure I were communicated with my uh, team members and other stakeholders. And also set the right expectations with my team members in terms of like work, core work hours. Great. So we're going to wrap it up now, but before we do, is there anything that I didn't ask that you wished I would have asked or just anything else that's come to mind as we've been discussing this that you would love to share? Yeah, I can go. Uh, I think I've spoken about remote work with a lot of other colleagues and uh, my friends outside of Bensai and a lot of them were, you know, worried about not being able to stay aligned with the company's culture and that being very challenging when you're remote. For, for me, it wasn't necessarily true and the timing was a little different because we were already working remotely uh, for almost eight months during the pandemic and working more remotely from farther away was not going to change a lot of things for me. Uh, but when I was working from India, I volunteer to present at the show and tell at 3 a.m. and doing like small things like these. It helped me reduce the feelings of isolation and anxiety and also helped me to bring back the feeling of belongingness. I think Steph mentioned earlier, like I also continue to have my water cooler moments and chats with my colleagues. And I think it's important to encourage this element of communication across the team, especially if you're going to work from so like farther away from everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great point. Thank you all in your various locations for taking the time to have this conversation. I am a huge fan of remote work, long have been, and really happy that we've gone in this direction. And it's really exciting to see how different people are finding the right path for them. And, and it's all so unique. And people really have an opportunity now to shape their lives in ways that I don't think they had before. I think that's a, a really phenomenal development in, in the, the modern world of work. So thanks for talking to me about it. Thanks for having us on the show, Simon. Yeah, thank you, Simon. It was great. Thanks for listening to the Think Fast podcast with today's guests, Pratik Matkar, Steph Lucarelli, Matan Burson, and Jasmine Alkin. If you like the idea of working for a remote-first company, maybe you'd be a good fit at Benchside. You can learn more about our culture and open roles at careers.benchside.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe in your favorite podcast player. Until next time, stay safe and think fast. <laughs>